It's Thursday, September 24th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. A Kentucky grand jury brought no charges against Louisville police for Breonna Taylor's shooting death. Man, those cops are lucky they didn't shoot any Confederate statues or they'd really have hell to pay. On Saturday, belated Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg will become the first woman to have her body lie in state for a day at the U.S. Capitol. Not to be outdone, Donald Trump was quick to brag that he's been lying to 50 states and has been for way more than just one day. A Senate Republican investigation into corruption allegations against Joe Biden and his son Hunter involving Ukraine found no evidence of wrongdoing. But don't worry, conservatives, if this is anything like Benghazi, you still need six more investigations to come to the same conclusion before this is over. Donald Trump said that he's no fan of Meghan Markle after she and her husband, Prince Harry, urged Americans to reject hate speech, misinformation, and online negativity by voting in November. It's easy to understand Trump's anger since it's pretty clear that the only royal he likes is that Queen Lindsey Graham. Belarus President Alexander Lukashenko was sworn in after winning what many experts call a rigged election. In response, the U.S. government said it wouldn't recognize Lukashenko as the legitimate president of his country. He must not have realized that you have to tell people beforehand that you're going to rig the election if you want to be considered a legitimate president. While we're on that topic, in his press misinformation show yesterday, Trump would not commit to a peaceful transfer of power if he loses in November. To be fair, he has been so busy with his rallies that he hasn't had time to ask Russia how to answer this question yet. In a newly discovered interview from 2016, Supreme Court frontrunner Amy Coney Barrett claimed that replacing then-recently-deceased Justice Antonin Scalia with a liberal judge would be wrong because it would shift the balance of power in the court. Thankfully, the woman who's against women's reproductive rights, immigration, gun reform, and has sworn obedience to her husband as part of her religion has so much in common with RBG, or she might come across as a bit hypocritical right now. Yesterday, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill banning the sale of gas-powered cars in the state by 2035, proving two things. Newsom cares about the environment, and he's naively optimistic that anybody will be left to drive in 2035. New York's Metropolitan Opera has officially canceled its season on the advice of health officials. Thanks to COVID, this is the first time something was over before the fat lady sang. Hallmark Channel announced yesterday that one of their Christmas films this year will feature a same-sex couple. It's nice to see gay actors at the tail end of their careers finally getting the same opportunities as straight actors whose careers are nearly over. Thanks, Hallmark. Equality. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Yellow, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Hollywood family. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Samir Sawakid, and he's going to be talking to us about his podcast about millennials and Gen Zers. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to us on their favorite podcast streaming service of their choice.
Let's start with you, Pete. I'm planning on not saying anything at all controversial about millennials today. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Joe. Hi everyone, I'm, I'm in Seattle and it is total anarchy. First of all, Beecher's was completely out of mac and cheese. They sold out at like, and then if you think they're, they're throwing cans of tuna, these guys here at this Pike's Place Market, they're throwing actual fish. I mm. think this is an Antifa training facility. Elizabeth? Hi, I'm phone banking for Joe Biden on Saturday and Sunday, and you can too. It's very, very easy. Uh, I forgot the website off the top of my head, but it's, I think, oh, Democrat. I know, I nailed it right <laughs> on the landing. Boom, face first. Uh, but there's tons of ways you can do things like that. Uh, so look them up. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, go ahead, May. Hi. And Emma. Hey y'all, I'm planning on being deeply insulted by Peter's opinions about millennials tonight. If you're a Catholic millennial, prepare to get really pissed today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <tonight>. Recovering <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> okay, so let's start. Let's start tonight's show with just one question where I take one of the stories from the top of the show and I ask you one question about them. Last night, people took to the street for mostly peaceful protest after a Kentucky grand jury found no cause to charge the three officers involved in the death of Breonna Taylor, although one was charged with recklessly endangering Taylor's neighbors due to the amount of bullets he discharged. I don't wanna pretend like any of us have answers or can understand the level of outrage that African-Americans feel right now. So instead, I wanna ask you all here on the panel, is there anything you wanna say in regards to this? Elizabeth, let's start with you. It's uh, obviously a huge miscarriage of justice. As a lot of people pointed out, he is being charged more for the bullets that didn't hit her than the ones that did. And then um, I noticed this and kind of, I haven't, I haven't like, I've seen a lot of people post her name on social media and her image and things like that. And um, so someone shared a post that I did share that was like, she was used as a meme for clout, for, you know, all these things, for all this attention for other people. And she's still, you know, if she's still making any justice or, or equality, it's, uh, it's so unfair. And um, I mean, Malcolm X said it, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. Anybody else, Pete? I mean, I think first and foremost, to so that people understand the narrative, I, I think that like um, the wrong people are trying to make this out about did somebody shoot at the police first? And 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 yes, in theory, uh, Breonna Taylor's uh, boyfriend shot at the police first. But from everything you hear, you know, from from all the reports, twelve out of thirteen neighbors in that building claimed that that they did not knock and they didn't and they did have a no knock warrant. Um, one neighbor um, claimed that they did not, but apparently he had given two statements prior to that statement saying that he didn't hear anybody knocking. But strangely enough, after the third time, he heard something. Um, they live in a state where people openly carry guns. And if they openly carry guns, it means they, have, they own guns in their homes. If somebody's going to burst through your door in the middle of the night in the dark, and you don't know what it is, and you're the kind of person that's already apt to have a gun and maybe potentially use it to protect yourself, 
this this kind of thing is going to happen. I mean, you know, I I, I just I just tend to believe that if it had been the other way around, if it had been a white woman and mm-hmm. black officers, or even a white woman in general, um, yeah. that this this would not have ended the, this way. And what's even worse is that the the attorney general of the state of Kentucky, the guy that 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 held the grand jury, has never actually tried um, um, a, a trial case. So he never. So this was. So this was kind of fun because he got to do it to do a, a grand jury for the first time. Um, it just. It just seems like, you know. I mean, as much as as much as you hate to keep 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 saying that the narrative is the same, just all these facts keep coming out, and you're and you're going to keep hearing just how horrible this is, and the fact that it got swept under the rug, and you know, just, there's no there's no way to see this coming out good on anybody's side. Yeah, and I no. just want to add, like, really quick, Elizabeth, and mm-hmm. I'll go back yeah. to you. I agree exactly, you know, with what you said, Elizabeth, but also, like, what Pete was just saying right now. I mean, just imagine how many times are we home, and it's, you know, it's nighttime, and you're in bed or whatever. Just imagine that, and you hear a sound. I mean, at least, like, and you freak out. Like, oh, my gosh, is somebody trying to break into the house? Like, I know that's happened to us, you know, and any little, I mean, this, you know, you, you just, you think the worst. You think the worst situation, so... I, I mean, everything Pete said, I, I agree with him 100%. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Uh, I was just going to add, too, that a lot of people have also, I mean, it's been highlighted basically since May that the system is not truly designed for people like Breonna Taylor or, or you know, people of color, lower income people, whoever, mm-hmm. uh, to get actual justice. It's not designed to prosecute cops who fire guns. It's not designed to um, punish anyone like that uh, so that it just it leaves everybody kind of hanging in the wind yeah anybody else I just want to um, add basically agreeing with both what uh, Elizabeth and Peter was said but like what Peter said imagine if this whole scenario was that she was a white woman and um, I just think that the outcome would have been completely different, especially if, you know, the the officers who killed her were of color. You know, I think that it would have gone, it would have gone way differently. And it's just, it's sad, but it's not, unfortunately with the climate today, it's just like another thing that we're like, you know, yeah. shit, this is, this is America. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go to Emma, then you can, then you Pete. Okay, go ahead, Emma. So one thing I've been considering as we've been having this discussion, um, and I'm frustrated with myself that I didn't research it before because I didn't remember the name of the law, uh, but I don't know, is, is Kentucky a stand-your-ground state? No. It's I, not? I looked that up earlier. No, they're not. Okay. Either way, I still think that like most juries, you know, if it hadn't been a black man shooting at police to protect himself, would have understood a self-defense, like a self-defense oh. defense. But... Um, I mean, listen, what what am I going to say that we haven't already said that we don't already collectively know? Uh, I don't think that this verdict is a huge surprise, considering how what, what we've seen in most other similar cases of someone killing a Black person. Uh, there's been a grand jury about it, but um, it really fucking sucks. Like, I have nothing more intellectual to say about it. It really fucking sucks. What are you going to say? What? Sorry. Were you going to say something? You had your hand. Yeah. Up. No. I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel like, it, I mean, it, listen. The outcome was probably predestined either way, but I think the day that that Louisville 
agreed to give her mother $14 million was the day that they basically said, well, we don't have to do anything else. Um, you know, and what's sad is that, you know, look, if, you know, you can't blame her mother for saying, okay, I'll take this money uh, because it's, it's the kind of money that, that is life-changing for anybody. Um, but I'm sure she didn't have the best advisors telling her that, you know, maybe you should first tell them I'm not going to accept any money until after, until after the grand jury comes back with, with a verdict, because I'm sure that that may have tainted um, some of the opinions on the grand jury, because, because I can only imagine that some of those people heard that they'd already paid out her family $14 million, uh, you know, and, and as much as I, as I believe that there are, good lawyers out there. I, I, I tend to believe, I mean, they've, they've got this guy, Benjamin Crump, who's, who seems to be just bouncing from, from terrible incident to the other. Uh, he was, he was George Floyd's um, attorney. Then he jumped over to Jacob Blake. Now, now he's handling Breonna Taylor. He also hosted um, who killed Biggie and Tupac a couple of years ago on television. Um, I'm not so sure if, if, if the lawyer's motives are in line with the people that are, that, that really are seeking the justice. And I, and I just think that, you know what, I think Kentucky just said, you know what, we'll pay her off. And then whatever we do from this point on, it's not going to really matter because they got paid. And it's, and it's a shame because that, that really didn't need to be that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yesterday when asked by a reporter, Trump refused to commit to a peaceful transfer of power if he loses in November. My question is, can he realistically do anything to stop the transfer of power? Pete. We kind of talked about this yesterday after the show and, 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 um, cause I was fucking spiraling about it. Thank yeah. You. And, and, <laughs> I, and I think honestly, there's a big difference between the word can and will. Um, I think I think he will try to do something because he's clearly doing it every day of the week. But can he do something might be a completely different thing, because the reality of it is all the things that he's done up till now, you know, instilling, you know, a partisan person at the post office, which that he admits to and and and, and essentially causes all this attention for Louis DeJoy, which which now has made it so that the post office can't do anything wrong. Um, or, or attacking ballots where where there's absolutely zero proof that mail-in ballots have caused any kind of harm. Um, in fact, today they actually tried a new tactic. They said that they found nine ballots that um, from the Pennsylvania election that were thrown away and that they were for Trump. Now that would have sounded sounded like really bad if 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 there wasn't nine million votes that were cast. Um, and then two hours later, they had to retract because it was turns out there was only seven that were for Trump. Two of them they don't they didn't tell you who they were for. Um, so you know everything he says, you know he's trying to do now. If he if on election night he he looks like he's ahead, the one problem that we're going to have is that because people are mail in balloting more on the Democratic side than on the Republican side, he could very easily say, well, I won because the results are going to show overwhelmingly that he has more votes than than Biden on November 3rd. And he could try to delegitimize everything after that. But the problem for him is that the day after that election, anybody that helps him is essentially part of a coup in the event that they find out that 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 Biden is the is the is the rightful winner of the election. 
you know, I mean, and and I don't know if there are people out there that are willing to go to jail um, or or have to have to fight a treason charge because thanks to thanks to the um, to William Barr, we also have the death penalty in the federal government now. Which and by the way, treason is a federal crime that's that's punishable by death. Um, so I just I don't know if there's people out there that are willing to do that in the government. I mean, I, I'm sure all those hayseed rednecks in their pickup trucks are going to come out and they're going to do everything they can to, to disrupt. But again, thankfully, we live in a place that it costs a lot of gas money in a pickup truck to get to. So I'm not worried about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I, I don't know if he can do anything. Well, and the narrative that they're going with, um, at least with Kaylee McEnany, his spokesperson, said today is, you know, they asked her again, so will he, you know, will he accept this? And she kept saying only if it's fair. And, you know, and according to the Democrats, you know, they're already, you know, throwing roadblocks. They're all, it's, I mean, it's again, it's all about, you know, the Democrats, the Democrats. So like, she wouldn't come out and actually say, you know what? Yes, you know, he will accept the results if he doesn't win. And then they also asked her, so if he wins, you know, he's obviously going to accept the results and there's not going to be any issues about that. So but she just kept saying, you know, it all depends on whether it's fair, whether it's fair. And I think that's the narrative that's going to continue till, election, till the day of the election. Um, Emma? So I feel, I think that there's a difference between like what he can try to do and like how much people are willing to follow him. Mm -hmm. uh, especially since, not to be the person who brings up the Holocaust, but especially since like the Holocaust and Nuremberg trials, there's a, there is, there has been a historical focus on like not blindly following orders. And the people at the top of the military uh, do not like him. And if on January 20th, there is an inauguration and Biden takes the oath, then they report to him instead and he can tell them to get Trump the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I think that there is a difference between that and like the people and, you know, the pickup trucks or whatever, the people who are going to try to use their Second Amendment rights to come out and fight for him. Uh, and I think that there's going to be violence. Uh, but I don't think that there is any like small town militia that can overtake the U.S. Army, which feels ironic to say, considering how we became a country in the first place by taking on the greatest army in the world. But it's also a different time. So I feel comfortable saying that. Elizabeth, and then I'll go to Matt. Yeah, I was, I, was uh, I don't want to say soothed. Uh, taken from an 11 to like a 9 yesterday after we talked. <laughs> Because I was absolutely freaking out. I, I put it out on the internet that I was like, what did I get healthy for if I'm in this fucking hellscape where, you know, things don't seem to matter? But, it you know, I th the, the can he do it and will he do it argument is good. I also saw another, like, vaguely reassuring thread that was like, he's just, he, you know, what you can't do is let this be, like, a, a fate accompli and just let him say it and then be like oh i guess he says he's gonna do it we might as well just let him do it no you have to keep the fight up you have to you know campaign donate all those kinds of things to like you know and obviously vote it's probably the biggest one <laughs> um to not let that happen and the frustrating thing is is hoping that yeah like people at the top won't go so far as trees it's I that I do question sometimes um but I think also what just uh, worries me most is that I think there is gonna be like violence and hurt in a lot of places when it comes down to it and I think that's the, the worst part of him saying shit like that mm -hmm. um Meg yeah <clears throat> what I was just gonna say actually 
Emma said it is, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that if Biden wins, you know, come January and he is sworn in, then they can, you know, he is the president and they can get him out of there in um, any which way they, they feel right. But my worry is like we've been discussing is what, regardless of who wins, what November 3rd to January 20th is going to be like in this country. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the, the rednecks coming out in their pickup trucks with their, with their ARs. And I, I just don't know what this country is going to look like. It's, it's scary. It's scary to think about. Pete? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the reality of the situation is that it, it's not, it doesn't even have to take until January 20th to, to, for, these, for these things to start falling into place because um, on January 6th, it is when the is when the ballot boxes go to Congress and then they ceremonially um, count all the ballots. Um, so so yeah. Now here's the problem. Now, I know a lot of people are claiming, well, oh my God, he's going to put his Supreme Court justice in, and then they're going to make uh, the final vote to 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 let him be president again. And and I think that that is probably the least concern anybody should have because he's going to have his Supreme Court justice. I mean, that's going to happen. And the way that they they set up their schedule today, it probably will actually happen right before the election, which I think personally, if they're going to do it, they might as well do it right before the election, because that means for the last 20 days, there's going to be hearings where the words Roe versus Wade are going to be said a million times and Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are going to be said a million times with, with, the, with the nominee uh, in front of cameras, and and I think I think anything they do at this point is only going to hurt them with the kind of people that they desperately need now to help Trump. Um, but I think that what people don't realize is that like I, everybody looks at 2000 and says, well, the Supreme Court did settle uh, the election in 2000, but that was in one state. Um, for Trump to win. By all accounts, he has to win six states that right now, at this moment, he's not favored to win in any of. Um, now, obviously, that could change a couple. I think two out of the two out of the six are inside the margin of errors, but four of them aren't. So, in order for Trump's Supreme Court to to actually give him the election, there would have to be six cases, not one case, six different cases where they would have to rule in favor of Trump on each one of them. And, 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 I, and I just think that, that once, once you get to that level where it's the Supreme Court making decisions like that, it's the legacy of the court and the integrity of the court that's going to come into play more. And there's just no, I, I mean, I just can't imagine a way where they would side with Trump six times in a row on, on, on multiple different variations of, of voter fraud when we have not proven that there's been any form of this fraud up until this exact election. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm being naive and maybe I'm being optimistic, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I also don't think that, you know, on, on November 4th, if, if they're starting to see that the numbers are dwindling, dwindling, dwindling for Trump, that all of a sudden Barr is going to come out and try and help him or any other senators are, are because these guys want to keep their job, guys and women. They want to keep their job. They don't, they, the last thing they want to do is be embroiled in, in, in something where they could A, be criminally charged and be dragged down by Trump. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that that's going to be um, much of an issue. Plus, 
and I'm sorry if I'm taking a lot of time, but there was a great article in Politico today that said, if you really want to know where, where Mitch McConnell thinks the election is going, just look at how he's pushing this, this nomination through right now. Um, because he's, he's doing it for one of two reasons. Either he thinks that the Republicans are always going to be in power um, because Trump's going to win, or he realizes that this is the last chance that the Republicans have for a very long time to do anything. And so he's pushing it through now, regardless of how it'll look. And, and so I just, I don't think that they're all, they, they all want their power. I don't think they're going to help him if, if this comes that way, it goes that way. Joe? You know, we, we say it every day and maybe it sounds like a broken record, but all of this that we're talking about is negated if everyone goes and votes. Vote early, go down to your polling place and physically vote, which you can do, uh, and go and vote. And for those, those few states that don't allow it, uh, you know, go out there and wait. But uh, uh, th those guys got to change, too. I mean, th that's so antiquated and backwards, those few guys that are left. I'm looking at you, Alabama. But, uh, uh, um, yeah, go out and vote. Vote early. Go to your polling place and vote. Uh, and and we're, we can negate all of this. This is a great talk, but if everybody would go and do that, I know it's a broken record and stuff like that, and gosh darn it, young people, go out and vote, damn it, young people. Oh, you know what? I'm going to start a thing now. I want a TikTok trend, a TikTok of you voting. would be amazing. There you go. <laughs> let's, get everybody, let's get that trend going. Don't show your ballot, though. Don't show your ballot, but, but, but I want to start a trend of a TikTok of you voting because that will get everybody to go out and vote. I mean, like heard, but also I do not trust people on TikTok to not show their ballot. Yes. <laughs> also, maybe let's not get all those ballots. Yeah. We should ask our guests yeah. this question. Like, let's maybe. All right, we yeah. should ask yeah. definitely this question. But I still yeah. think that that's, we got to figure out a way because they obviously didn't go in the primary. So yeah. are you going to go now? Okay, so Hallmark Channel announced that one of their upcoming Christmas films will be centered around a same-sex relationship. So my question is, Considering that most of mainstream television has embraced same-sex couples for quite a while now, why are people falling all over themselves for Hallmark? And like the first, you know, couple that I think of is Mitch and Cam, you know, that have been around forever, you know, with Modern Family. Um, but I was trying to think, I'm like, you know, I think the base, the people that watch Hallmark, and I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong if you guys know this, aren't they mostly conservative like, aren't most of, like, their films, like, conservative-based? Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. that's what I thought. I mean, yeah. when, when Kansas Cameron is, is the biggest star uh, in the Hallmark yeah. movie um, network, um, you know it's going to be conservative-based. Oh, come on. Canadian yeah. superstar yeah. Chris Bearstick. Oh. <laughs> it's the same gazebo. <laughs> Um, go ahead. <laughs> um, I actually, because I uh, started a romance novel as, as a joke like two years ago, but I've actually kept working on it and taking classes on it, Hallmark has come up and um, they have very strict guidelines for their um, material for the movies. There's like, you can't have cheating, not even as a backstory. You can't, you know, no, no drugs, sex or alcohol. It's all just a kiss and that's it and really only one kiss really? in a movie yeah that it's it's the formula that's worked for so long and it does predominantly appeal to like a more conservative audience but um the bet you saw that they had the one ad for uh, i forget what bridal company uh had two two women getting married and the million moms 
complained, but it wasn't even a million moms. It was like two hundred. It was like a it's quarter like of a million women. <laughs> yeah, twenty women whose husbands won't have sex with them. And so then they reversed it. Not they a million kind moms, of, it's twenty Karens. They went back and forth, and and Hallmark doubled down because it started off appealing to predominantly conservative people, but more and more people. I watch them. I know other people have who are not conservative, but they still kind of like this cheesy, um, you know, formulaic stuff because it is kind of comfortable. You don't have to pay attention. Um, that that appeal started to grow, and it's and it's become a meme and SNL skit. It's grown beyond the conservative base, and so the people who are beyond that are like, well, wait, why don't? you know the, you're kind of out of date with that and in fact in the romance genre one of the biggest books last year was this book called red white and royal blue and it's about the son of the first female president in america falling in love with the prince of england so it's a it's a male-on-male relationship which are huge in the romance novel world that's like one of the yeah. biggest like no it's not subgenre it's just like a biggest pairing in the romance novel world because People want to see their story reflected in their media and people who are uh, gay, straight or whatever, like to see the Hallmark movies. And yeah, you got to open up the field. Hey, Emma. Um, that's all really interesting. And I didn't know almost any of it. So that's really cool. Oh, I have. Uh, I know. I'll tell you way more after the show because I could spill. I could fill like 10 more minutes of this. The, the one thing that I did know is that uh, the Hallmark channels like their Christmas movies do have a fairly conservative base. Mm-hmm. And so I am so excited about this because it is a same sex story going to a conservative base. And I feel like in a world where like you choose your own media so much based on what you want to see, uh, the fact that like you've got like a little bit of like easing up in things that would traditionally be so starkly heterosexual uh, means that like, you know, the more media you consume about people who are different from you, the more likely you are to be empathetic to them. Mm-hmm. I'm all about like just kind of easing just a little bit just a little bit at a time that's fine but like so long as just maybe one or two people kind of say oh well you know maybe they're just like the I don't know the characters names but these people from the movie like that's great yeah. and it's a perfect entry point because like I said those movies are so chased for hetero couples like you can't spend you can barely spend like the same night under a roof you got to be in separate bedrooms kind of a thing you, it literally the movie ends with the first kiss between the couple you can have a lot of near kisses but it really only you get the one kiss at the end and that's like the, such a non-threatening thing i think for more conservative people to see like oh this this gay couple be it male or female or whatever um kind of follows the same things we do okay they they ad- adhere to our you can only kiss at the end of the film thing so i think that's kind of like a gentle like bridging the gap like mm-hmm. take my hand we'll we'll walk through this slowly together like maybe we're not too different yeah <laughs> guys are so our guest is ready to come on joe do you have a quick comment real quick or do you want me to come back well, to we'll, we'll, we'll come back after this okay. it's, it's, it's a little bit more than okay sounds good okay so in 2019 People between the ages of 18 and 39 outnumbered people 60 and over in the U.S. for the first time in a century. With that in mind, those known as millennials and Gen Zers suddenly have a lot more importance in our country than they ever did before. Our guest tonight hosts a podcast called Mirrors the More You Know, in which he engages these two demographic groups with inspiration, knowledge, and guidance. Please welcome Samir Sawakid. Hi, Samir. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you great. Thank you for you having go me. Go by Mir, right? Do you want me to? Is that e either Mir? way? I could go by Mir, Samir, doesn't matter. Okay, well, thank, thank you again for joining us today. So, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us why you started this podcast. Sure. So, you know, a lot of times on social media, I go by Mir. Um, a little backstory on me I graduated college last year. Um, and during my time in college, I actually ended up losing 100 pounds and I documented that whole journey. So, when I did that, uh, I built an audience. I built people from around the world that started reaching out to me. So I started my own online coaching business and I even had clients as far as the Philippines. Wow. So after that, it was one of the best feelings of my life being able to motivate and inspire them through my own weight loss journey. Um, unfortunately, now I gained part of that quarantine 15. So that's been the process of gaining a little bit of that weight now. But this is kind of how where I started the podcast. In March, I had a lot of college students who reached out to me on social media, feeling lost, sad, depressed. Either they might have lost their job. They just didn't know what they wanted to do in their lives. So I decided I have a big network. I, you know, I have an audience. I can start my own podcast called The More We Know, which is essentially just to motivate the Gen Zs and millennials. And again, people that you know are 20 and people that are 60 listen to it. So it's open to everybody. But the focus is on those 20, 21-year-olds to really get a grasp of what's out there for them through people that have done it in their successful field. So you know, I've been able to have success with the podcast and I've gotten a lot of different people on and, you know, it's just the start. So that's kind of where the idea came from. That's great. So I know, you know, we hear the terms millennials and Gen Zers. And how do you, I, I know you said, you know, 20, 21 year olds. Is there, are there other factors that make somebody a millennial and a Gen Z or how do you define them? So Gen Z specifically is that 19, 20, 21 range. When you're going, when you're going to that uh, millennial side, you're looking at 24, 25, 26, 27, even up towards, you could technically be considered a millennial at 30, 31. So that's the differential, but that Gen Z is really the focus because it's right now these college kids that are right now, like I'm actually technically considered a Gen Z, but that's why I say Gen Z and millennials because they go hand in hand. Okay. So um, in regards to this demographic, a lot, of, a lot of them are considered to be energized and engaged um, with a goal of nothing short of a revolution. So I think that's fair to say, while others can call them slackers and precious at times. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, so I think in, in this era, the Gen Z specifically, it's a really unique era because we have access to the most information that we ever had. So if you look, you know, 50 years ago, the Gen Z's at that time didn't have this type of information. You can't go on Google real quick. I mean, you can even go on TikTok to learn about financial stocks, about accounting. There's so many things now. So, but with that comes the laziness indeed. So there are a lot of Gen Z's that do suffer with, you know, procrastination and being demotivated because the information is instantly accessible. So that's why it's a positive and a negative to have that instant access to information. Mm -hmm. So based on uh, the people that you have spoken to in your own personal experience with people your age, what do you think are one or two of the biggest struggles and fears that millennials and Gen Zers feel today in this world today? So I call it the midlife crisis at 21 because a lot of millennials and Gen Zs, they see what's going on on social media. You see these lives of quote unquote, what you want to have and what it causes is anxiety and depression. So number one is the mental health aspect, anxiety, depression. Number two is I think they deal with instant gratification. They, they suffer with that because they want the results so quick and that's the problem. They don't understand that it's a measured step. It's a process to get to where you want to get to, right? So those are the two things. And, and that depression and anxiety is huge because although people are starting to talk about it more, you look at NBA basketball players are normalizing the mental health. It's still something that is sort of taboo and, and people still do struggle with it. And especially now with what we have access to on social media and especially some of the fake lives you see from people, 
um, because it's so easy to fake stuff now. People can fake going on a private jet. It's still, yet people that are 18 to 21 are still gullible and they go through this depression and anxiety. So those are two of the biggest things I feel like. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have one final question that I'm going to open it up to the panel to see if they have any questions. So according to a study from last year, more than 70% of millennials and Gen Zers consider themselves to be very politically active. Uh, Raw data, though, tells us another story. Four in 10 Americans will go out and vote in November, but 18 to 39-year-olds trail behind that because only three in 10 are projected to vote. Why do you think that is? And do you think it's going to change this year? That's a great point. So essentially, your question is, why is it the fact that the, the percentage of Gen Z's and millennials voting is so low? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it comes down to that same type of procrastination and laziness that we, we have going on, especially in who I've talked to and what I see. They just assume that whoever's going to win is going to win and their vote doesn't mean much. So it's that complacency in the fact that not realizing that their vote means something. And a lot of that comes from privilege because, you know, I talk to people that are on DACA, the program that was enacted by President Obama, which, you know, they don't have that privilege of voting. So having that privilege of growing society where you don't even think your vote matters and you know you just watch politics like it's tv uh it's caused that so i think they almost look at it like a reality show um so they don't think their vote matters and then they look at it as very superficial mm-hmm. okay um let me open it up to the panel now um pete let's start with you hey Samir, thank you so much for coming on today um my question is you know you know um going back to the whole thing about the uh the election uh, there's a there's a joke that, uh, that that I've heard a bunch of times that Republicans, if Republicans want to stay in power, all they have to do is pass um, is legalize marijuana throughout the country and make sure that Fortnite puts out a new level on the night of the elect on the day of the election. Um, if they don't want to, if they want to make sure that millennials and Gen Zs don't come out and vote. Why do you think there's this so much of a stigma about about um, about those two groups? Because I mean, because it's it's it seems to be kind of real in a sense, because if you look at the the first half of the year um, when when the the uh, Democratic primary started, there was such a push um, for Bernie Sanders, which who skews obviously very, very much towards the millennial audience. Um, and they were people were were coming to his rallies. Um, 10,000 people were showing up. There were people, you know, everywhere you look on social media, you were seeing, you were seeing enthusiasm. But then when the votes came in, those people weren't there. Um, what, what do you think it is that, that we need to see from millennials? To, to, what, what do we need to do to get millennials more, to come out and do what they're supposed to do, which is vote um, in, in November? Sorry, yeah. I probably took the longest time to get to a short question. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> So you bring up a great point. So many people, you know, we're reposting Bernie Sanders. He, I, what I saw with Bernie Sanders is he has very good marketing tweets, those tweets that came out and it just, it hits with the audience. Um, the problem is, I think when it came down to it, a lot of millennials, again, come down to being okay with it on social media, but a lot of them are so lazy to the point that they don't even, they don't even know what a mail-in ballot is. They don't even know the process of, of doing a vote. And, sure. and I, I love a, to talk. Do you want to hear an sorry. interesting fact? Get my, my Google voice is talking. I apologize. Wait, what's the interesting fact? <laughs> Sorry, Mayor. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. That's hilarious. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, one of it is still the lack of education. A lot of people are very good on social media, but they don't know how to actually act when it comes to it. Because I think people are, especially my generation, they focus on impressing people. So it was cool to repost Bernie Sanders. It was cool because he was talking about things like marijuana and, and taxing the billionaires. And, and it looked cool to be like, yeah, Bezos made all this money during the uh, 
uh, pandemic, we should tax them. But when it came down to it, I think it's two things. It's the trust factor, uh, but the, because they, I don't think people actually trusted Bernie Sanders enough to vote. Because if you look at it, even last election, when, when Trump ended up winning, everyone was against Trump. But there were still so many closet voters that still voted for Trump because I think there was, you know, obviously people didn't want to be public about voting for Trump. But I think it's so important, especially with this election. I think we might actually see a change to go on your question, because if you look now what's going on with the news, like with Breonna Taylor yesterday, I do see a shift with the Gen Z's and millennials for the first time because they're starting to see the actual impact and repercussions. Of, you know, I don't want to get too political, but having, you know, different types of leadership in office, which now they're starting to realize like, oh, shoot, we really do have a problem here. Like this, this is serious. So I think now with the Twitter, the social media, everyone's talking about go vote, especially it's really cool to see it in the NBA basketball. LeBron James is posting about it. I think now people are awake because the, to answer your point, if LeBron James goes and posts, you know, you need to vote. It's very important. I think I hate to say it, but Gen Z's and millennials will be more inclined to go vote than if Bernie Sanders says your vote matters, because that's what people watch. They watch LeBron James, especially in my generation. So I hope does that answer your question. Uh, I mean, yes, but I, I, I hope the, there's a better answer than that. Not, not from you. I'm just saying, because yeah, if, yeah. We gotta, if we got to worry about LeBron James to getting people excited about voting this year, yeah. we're fucked. Excuse my language. <laughs> we're utterly yeah. screwed at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm really quick. So, like what you were saying, Mir, do you also think the passing of um, RPG will also influence more people to come out, more young people to come out and vote because Sorry. there is so much at stake? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear the first part you said. Oh, I said, you know, with the passing of, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, and trying to fill the Supreme Court seat, do you think that there's going to be more young people coming out to vote? Because there is so much more at stake that's going to affect them more yeah. than, you know, someone my age, for example. Mm -hmm. The problem is, I feel like even with things, you know, look, you look at Supreme Court justices, everything, a lot of Gen Zs, they don't even know what, what, what power these people have. So it's an issue. They're even though we have all this plethora of information, Gen Z still don't know how important this stuff is. And that's, that's such a concern. They don't realize how important it is to vote this year and why the vote matters. So no, I, unfortunately, you know, and it's not the answer I want to give, but I feel like with the passing of her, it doesn't shift too much because, you know, if it, if it wasn't George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or, or what's going on with, you know, the injustice that's going on and especially with the COVID reactions and, and how we dealt with COVID, um, I don't know if that passing is going to impact them so much just because they don't even know, they might not even know the powers that she held. Mm -hmm. Okay. Elizabeth, and then I'll go to Joe. Um, I've heard, I've, I'm an elder millennial. I'm on the like high end of that scale. Um, but I see a lot of people argue uh, there's definitely a certain amount of like laziness and entitlement, but um, does any of that fall on the parents who raised this generation, the boomers who wanted everybody to have participation trophies. They always say, oh, millennials all want a participation trophy. It's like, I never asked for that when I was six. You're the one who freaked out that I wasn't winning. Um, does, does any of that fall at their feet? Uh, or is it, you know, I, you can't blame them forever, but yeah, does it, do you think any of that falls at their feet, I guess? Sure. Definitely. I think I think parents have a huge part to do. And of course, you know, like you said, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's not the parents. The parents shouldn't force or instill views on their kids. But as a parent, you're, go you're going home to them every day, assuming you're in a normal household where you go to school, you come back. It is a little bit of the parents duty to talk about what being a president means, what you know, what these votes mean, what what having different people in the office means and who's appointed for what. Um, I think it's on the parents too. But the problem is, you know, especially if I look in, let's give it an example. If I look at a few universities here in Chicago, private schools, a lot of these people, 
if you look at the parents, a lot of these parents are people that voted for Trump, whether it's for tax benefits or whether it's for business reasons, corporations. So they might just not even really talk to their kids about it or their kids might just assume, okay, I should just be part of Trump. Social media says we hate Trump, but my parents are voting Trump. I won't talk about it, but I'll just stick with them. So I think parenting does have a part to do with it. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, parents have to be able to do that part where they can be a role model to their kids, not only just with work and, and, and educating them on what's good and what's bad, but the real stuff that matters like, like this, how important this election is. So yeah, absolutely. I it also sounds like our education system just in general because i feel like i got a civics class in high school and that was it I, not, yeah, nothing yeah. about how important you know voting and things like that are I, I would say with schooling in general whether it's with taxes or whether it's with you know getting a job or whether it's in politics it's the schooling system doesn't do a great job of it right so i, I mentor a lot of kids at universities here in the midwest and unfortunately schooling does not do a good job with getting things that matter uh, specifically to, you know, especially this election. <clears throat> okay, so we have time for two uh, more questions. So Joe, and then we'll finish with you, Emma. Go ahead, Joe. Here, I'm so glad to hear that you're mentoring uh, uh, kids in university because it'll, it'll fit in with my question and also great job, I love that. Um, you know, you talked about how millennials and Gen Y, you have access to more information than any of us ever had. I mean, if I had to go find something, I had to go to, to the library, crack open an encyclopedia or something, you can just go on the internet. The problem is now there's, there's just as much bad information as there is good information. And I see more and more where people turn away from experts because, hey, I read something on the internet that this guy from Cincinnati, who's a friend of my cousins wrote, and that's, that sounds legit. How do, how do you think, um, I mean, what's the key that get people to, uh, and they get, especially Gen, Gen Y, to like say, to like fish through the crap and get to what's really going on? Because obviously most of the time when you get fake information that somebody's trying to move their own narrative, but obviously it's not true. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's hard, right? It's it's a very hard question to answer because there is a plethora of information out there. You know, you hear things right. like TikTok, you get this information in 15, 20 seconds. It's instant, it's visual, but the problem is, how true is it, right? So if you look at, if you look at, uh, but the problem is it goes, it goes farther than the Gen Zs because if you look at the office, just look at the combat between Dr. Fauci and Donald Trump. If you, if you look at that situation, here you have a who's telling you medically what matters and then you have the president who says something opposite. So it might even be bigger than Gen Zs. It might be a bigger picture because the, on one hand, you have people that are going to Trump and listening to what he's talking about, a Lysol and, and whatever he's saying, as opposed to listening to a legitimate medical expert. So it's, it's a much bigger problem. And a lot of that stems from leadership. So that's one thing you need to have a leadership in office that can give, you know, be a part of the facts that listens to science, not to politics, not to Wall Street, but actual science, like what matters. So I think what Gen Z's need to do, the easiest way is you want to get credible mentors. You have to get mentors that, you know, whether it's professors, uh, researchers, doctors, get mentors in, in industries that are respected. Two, you got to actually be reading a lot. So don't look at Wikipedia and, and TikTok as your sources, but you should be subscribed. You can easily subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. You can easily subscribe to resources like CNN and, and CNBC. And I know people have different viewpoints on which news source matters. But if you look at the general trend in CNN versus Fox, even though they're one way or the other, generally, you'll have some decent news articles that if you're subscribed to to get your information. So it, it's a lot of reading and it's a lot of habit and it doesn't happen overnight. And still with the Internet, there's so much bad data that's out there so you got to be able to filter it out which you have great mentors and you're reading all the time and you're and you're experimenting does that answer the question yes thank you very much okay and last uh question emma go ahead 
So uh, you've attributed a whole lot of uh, like reasons that Gen Zers and some young millennials don't know things to they just don't know them. Uh, but when you've got you know the entirety of the world's knowledge at your fingertips, what the hell do you search? Like how do you know what you don't know unless you're taught some of it, right? So how what what would you say is like the best way or the most effective way or whatever to get any amount of information out to a large percentage of millennials and Gen Zers they can start to research and like begin that process for themselves. So are you saying in terms of something as important as voting or you mean in general, whatever topic they're, they're looking to learn about? I mean, sure, voting, um, but like, I guess, what, however you want to interpret the question probably is fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for me, right, because I'm, I'm a Gen Z myself. So what I did when I came into college is I looked for people that did what I wanted to accomplish and I, and I went to them, aka mentors. So I found people I networked people that were credible, that were established, that might have 40 years in the industry, that have all these certifications that, you know, you can, you can see how, how legitimate they are. And that's, that's my foundation. My foundation is the mentorship. Other than that, though, it in terms of finding information that is credible. And it's a hard question to answer because there is, like you said, we have all this information at our fingertips and there's so much bad information out there. So, that's why I think having even it has to start early, it has to start at home. Right? Someone asked about, you know, parents. So it has to start at home with parents educating their kids, too, with what's out there, because a lot of this information stuff, even even things like sensitive data is, is new to parents. Parents is, is harder now because you don't know what your kids are posting on social media, where it's going, who's seeing it. Um, social media. That's what I said at the start. It's, it's a double edged sword. It's so amazing at, at what we're able to access. But at the end of the day, it's also bad because we have bad data that's out there. So. For me, I, I think it's mentorship and I think it's people that take accountability into helping Gen Z's get that. So like me, with me mentoring kids or, or starting a podcast where I bring on people that are experts in their field to help educate them in any way they can. So it, it starts it starts with us, quite frankly. The Gen Z's has to be proactive and we have to have those resources like podcasts, like books, like educational, credible resources to get that information. The Gen Z's are, are very intelligent, but you know there's a lot to be done. And, and if we wanna be a part of a positive future, we have to take action as Gen Z's. We have to understand that our vote, number one, matters. And number two, we can make a difference. And, and, and this is our role. This is our future. This is, this is big. Very good. Um, I just want to read a comment from online. Um, she's actually my friend, Melissa. She says, I think it is up to the parents. When I turned 18, my parents took me to register to vote. And to this, to this day, they still ask me if I voted. So there you go. Um, Mia, before you, uh, we let you go, tell us where people can listen to your podcast. So you can go to my podcast. It's called, if you type it on Google, it's called The More We Know Podcast by Mir, M-E-E-R. Uh, otherwise, you can go, you'll see the link for Buzzsprout, but otherwise you can go on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on YouTube. Um, you can follow me on social media at Samir, S-A-M-E-E-R dot S-A-W-A-Q-E-D. That's my main Instagram. I, I post all my podcast links there too as well. Um, and that's where you can really see it. So whatever platform you want, if you want the visual on YouTube or you want the links, you can click those. So it's, um, I have some exciting guests coming up, so it should be great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate having you. Thank you guys for everything. And thank you guys for the questions. I really do appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for coming here. Great. Thank you so much for coming. Bye. Bye. Okay. So I want to just go back and finish the hallmark conversation we were having. So Joe. I promised I was going to go back to you. Well, I see I, when Elizabeth said that, like, you know, it's it's already kind of big in the romance novel thing to have same-sex couples. Mm -hmm. 
I am not the one. I'm not shocked because of, and to please don't take this as a joke because I don't mean this part as a joke. <laughs> I've seen fan fiction and I've seen what yeah. people really want to have happen. And, you know, uh, Kirk, Kirk Spock couplings up. Uh, Harry and Draco, I don't know how that works, but there's a bunch about those. And oh, yeah. so, and so uh, uh, you know, I, I don't see it as, I, I don't think that it's as surprising as uh, as I think. But listen, about the whole thing about you not being able to cheat, in the Christmas Inn where the lady gets uh, inherited the Christmas Inn, but there's a ghost haunting it, and she ends up falling in love with the ghost, the ghost's wife is also on in the. Oh, in the that's game. first of all, that's on Netflix, and that's a whole different animal. Well, no, 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 it was. I believe that was a Hallmark film, wasn't no, it? No, it was it? I don't oh, believe well, that it was. Like everything, because I'm like, he's don't cheating on his ghost wife. It, it's called he's the spirit. His first of all, it's called the spirit of Christmas. And let me yeah. just, while we're here, so we can tell this, I do not believe it was, because uh, this also has murder in it, and that's a big no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a TV I'm movie. Dead. I mean, da, but, da, da, but te- it's technically, you know, because he's a ghost. But hey. yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah. Is it murder? Because he was already dead when the show when it started. Well, no, I mean, he was just, murdered. That I know, but I mean, like, murder doesn't <laughs> actually happen. He was murdered prior. Yes. Well, no, they but. show it on screen. They show it, and then they have to solve the mystery. Uh, anyway, he's cheating on his ghost wife with a corporeal woman. Yeah, um, I don't know if that can, like maybe that doesn't count. I also took issue with that, as you <laughs> as you well know. I was like, well, well, maybe the reason why he cheated on his ghost wife is because she, she wouldn't let him in between the sheets. Sir, sir, he's tipping waitress. And yeah, is uh, it appears to have not been. Um, a Hallmark movie to begin with. It's it's from some other production. Oh, okay. Company. I thought it was a, okay. Well, then never mind that. I thought it was a Hallmark movie. That's anyway, awesome. I'm all I'm all for uh, uh, same set couples in Hallmark movies. I think they'll be fun. I don't think I've ever watched a Hallmark movie. I think the only times I've turned on the Hallmark channel to watch the Golden Girls. That's mm-hmm. really that's been the only time. But mm-hmm. yes, and I know yesterday we kind of you know dished on some celebrities, and I actually um. I've met Candace Cameron. I was at a social event with her one time. And let me just say, I'm not a big fan of hers. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so let's move on. Since we have been talking about millennials, we thought we'd do something fun. Every generation has films that define them, whether it be Easy Rider, The Graduate, or Midnight Cowboy for Baby Boomers, or The Breakfast Club, Reality Bites, or Heathers for Gen Z Xers. According to Ranker.com, these are the 20 films that define millennials. So let's go through them and pick the greatest millennial movie of all time. <laughs> now the last one. What, what are the off. parameters? The last well, okay. I'm trademarking. Before we get started, hold on, Pete, give me a second. Yeah. The last time we did this, it got a little heated. <laughs> Some friendships might've been lost. <laughs> It was a bracket bloodbath. It was a bracket bloodbath. So let's try to behave ourselves today, everybody. Okay, go ahead. Elizabeth, you had a question. Oh, I was just going to scream bracket bloodbath, which I did. So there's got to be, we got to go by parameters here. Yeah, but what are the parameters? Okay, so let me me explain how this list came about because I I, I looked it up on ranker.com. They said these are the films that, that they follow two criteria. Either they're films that, that millennials treasure as being the film that they love, 
mm-hmm. or it's a film that actually represents the time, um, represent how the, you know the, the change, the, how things changed. Um, t- thinking, I guess, so that so that it kind of went into the conscience of people uh, in that generation. So you're going to see movies that clearly, like when you look at Toy Story, that's not exactly going to be a movie that really affected how people react and how people acted culturally. But so so it's those two aspects. So I think that from our standpoint, the best way to do this would be to pick the film on the merit based on 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 how this kind of affected millennials. So the effect, in general. not the which effect. one we like more. Yeah, okay. right? what we like more. Okay, because I think that was the issue the last yeah. time. It was very clear. So, so it's the effect on. Okay. Your God. personal the opinions are out the window. It's how it affected millennials. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so let's start. So I will read them off, and they're going to be on the screen. So let's start with the first two. Okay, Cruel Intentions or American Beauty? Mm. I would say Cruel Intentions. Me too. Yeah, I feel like American Beauty is like a great film, but I feel like it's like, like end of Gen X more than it is. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely end of Gen X because I think it's more Spacey's story yeah. than it is. Yeah. Than the, the more what, his. About the, what about the two kids? Like, wouldn't they be uh, good yeah. examples of... They're, of... they're there. They're not some... I, think, I mean, they're technically... No, I think Cruel Intentions is more of a, a, a millennial thing. Yeah. I mean, you had the right. whole yeah. you know, kissing the... Yeah. The cocaine, you know, it was just. It had a lot of elements. That was like the first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so give me that Upper East Side kind of. Cruel Intentions, yeah. Yeah, that's your first, like, sexy, naughty movie as a millennial. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, The next two um, American Pie or 500 Days of Summer? I'm going to make the same argument I made before, but this time for 500 Days of Summer. Why, Why, Emma? Because I think American Pie is like just pre-millennial, whereas Five Hundred Days of Summer is squarely. It is. Yeah. I think I think Five Hundred Days of Summer is more is more based in a whole reality. That whole idea of of you're obsessed with somebody who really doesn't want you. Mm -hmm. Where American Pie is is fun and it's and it's goofy, but it really doesn't you know point. So I think I think if we're talking about what affects a millennial more, I think Mm Five Hundred Days of Summer because that that hit home for a lot of people. Yeah, and American Pie has not really held up over time. Um, and has not garnered like the level of like debate and scrutiny that 500 days of summer has with like who was you know mm-hmm. was tom secretly the villain the whole time you know cut I summer like some slack see, i would like to see 500 days of autumn on netflix so someone should make that for netflix yeah. <laughs> or autumn. okay so we're going with 500 days of summer mm-hmm. okay. okay the next one uh twilight or the social network oh i would say twilight no, I'm gonna say I will say I will say the social network, and I'll tell you why. I think Twilight so huge. No, but Twilight was affecting Gen X moms, and not so much millennials. Yeah. I, think. I think there was more uh, older women going nuts over Twilight than there was actually millennials going up when it came out. I'll but it, I'm I'm going to argue. I mean, the social network highlighted I mean, like about the what book. we're talking what about the book. That's different. But we're not talking about the book. We're talking about the movie. I know, but uh... I went. I went. Saw, I went and saw New Moon in the theater in New York, and my poor boyfriend at the time, the whole theater was full of like twelve-year-olds, 
and then there was us. <laughs> so, well, I remember, listen, I was even remember when. The entire movie, like we were at a Beatles concert in the 60s. No, but I can remember when when they like hit Comic Con when they hit Comic Con with the Twilight with the promotions for that, and the majority of people that were there for it were their mom, were the Gen X moms. It wasn't like their their kids. It was, and so there was like there was signs going around going Twilight ruined Comic Con because <laughs> everyone was trying to have a good time and there was all these Karens running around. So you know it was just a little bit nuts. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go social networks. So. Uh... I am biased because I am a young millennial who was obsessed with Twilight. Um, I'm not entirely proud of it, but it is what it is. Uh, I think that I, I see Joe's point, but I also think that it's only the moms who can afford Comic Con. Um, I also think that I listen. We're not talking about the better movie. If we were, it's clearly Social Network. Uh, and I think that Social Network shows a lot of what it is to be like an older millennial. Um, and like it captured a lot of the spirit of the time, but if we're going by the metric of what affects millennials more, I think it is Twilight, especially considering how the memes live to this day. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Elizabeth, Pete, what do you guys want to say? I also just recently participated in a Twilight meme of my own creation on TikTok for fun, because I'm now a TikTok teen, I decided. I love the TikTok teens, they're great. No, but I, I went on there and there's a whole series this girl is doing like explaining Twilight to the aliens that abducted me with like the one alien face filter. And it's so funny because she just very matter of factly explains these books in deep detail and then has the alien react. It's very, very funny. Um, but yeah, I, it's like the social network. I didn't watch it actually when it came out. I watched it years and years later. I was like, oh yeah, time capsule. Well, you know, I remember getting Facebook in college. What a time. But I don't really dwell on it the way I'm like, but let me talk to you about Twilight. It kicked off the dystopian YA, uh, or not, it's, that movie's not dystopian, but you know, it kicked off the, you know, the YA adaptation craze and we got a million movies that followed. To, that I think had a bigger impact in a lot of ways. Okay, I'm Pete. Okay, so here's my thought on this. The social network is a reflection of what took place in that time, mm-hmm. whereas, if you if you talk about from from an older person standpoint, what does millennial look like to you? Kristen Stewart is is every is every older person's idea of what a millennial is, lethargic, kind of kind of a little dippy, um, not not completely committed to anything. But oh, she's also with a vampire. Um, so I would definitely go with Twilight on this one because I think it just it 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 just sets the narrative up perfectly for what other people expect millennials to yeah. be for going forward. Okay, so let's do a vote then. Who says social network? Who says Twilight? Apologies to David Fincher. Okay, Twilight <laughs> it is. Okay, the next two. Mean Girls or Pitch Perfect? Oh, Mean Girls. Mean Bye-bye. Girls. Mean yeah. Girls. Oh, wait, you, you, you jumped one. I'm just kidding. Sorry, I lied. The Lion oh. King or Bring It On? The Lion King or Bring It On? Oh. Oh, bring it well, on for millennials. Okay, bring it on for millennials because yeah. Lion King was like Gen X and millennials. Yeah. Like even, you know, I'm 37 and I think I was like 13 when Lion King came out. So I wasn't even quite a teenager yet. So yeah, I think for more millennial impact, I think bring it on. Yeah. For, I think yeah, that's definitely it. bring it on. I agree. I, the Lion King was like the first movie I ever went to go see, I think. I, 
And, you know, it, it, don't get me wrong, it's incredible. Like, nothing but love for The Lion King. But I would watch Bring It On with my softball team every single year, mm. at least once. Um, yeah. Do you know the opening cheer? I know a lot of people who are, like, mastered the opening no, I was never that. Uh, <laughs> Not either. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> okay, let's let's continue now. Okay, I'm going to bring up the the new the new standings right now in a second here. So <laughs> probably when you're ready. Yeah, well, just kind of vamp for a second. Okay. <laughs> talk talk right. about ten seconds. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to know more about yeah. the rules of Hallmark? Because no, well, I can tell you. It's I, I saw a really funny. Speaking of Twilight, I saw a really funny Twilight uh, video. That scene where she's like. Oh, you have a lot of music. What are you listening to? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And they turn it on and they were just playing WAP. <laughs> and it's hilarious. And then, have you guys ever the exact seen same, They kept the exact same, like, the, the camera and the, so the expression they're making. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad didn't know what to have do. You guys the fact that I was the, reading Twilight. The... So uh, he got me the Harvard Lampoon's Nightlight instead. In <laughs> addition. We can move on. The best was on YouTube. They had somebody made a video where it was Buffy and it was a compilation with Buffy and Edward. And it was like every time Edward did something, it was like Buffy like rolling her eyes, like, you're a stupid <laughs> vampire, you know, and it's great. And then in the end, she stakes him. <laughs> my my we, favorite we Twilight on. thing. I, I, I got everything up. This will be oh, the last one. Okay, I, I have to to pimp for Rift Tracks. The guys who have done Mystery Science Theater three thousand did uh, have done all the Twilight films uh, with their Rift Tracks setup. It is some of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I still quote them. Um, their love for her dad, for mustache dad, as they call him, is like the funniest thing. Because they're all like middle-aged dudes who are like, oh, they're, they're they're like, oh thank God, mustache dad's here. The oh, good. The, whole the only sane person in that town. The only sane Charlie. person. Charlie. Charlie. Okay, okay. So the next two movies, Between Toy Story and Cruel Intentions. I, I go cruel, cruel intentions. intentions. Yeah. 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 Okay, cruel intentions. Yeah. Okay, the next two. Clueless or perks of being a wallflower? Clueless. Clueless. Very I cool. never saw perks of being a wallflower. Clueless because I just, yeah, perks of being a wallflower. I'm thinking clueless as well. I read the book. I did not care for the book. And it's because it's trying very hard to be like, hey, this is the story of your generation, to, at least to me, in my opinion. And I'm like, fuck out of here. It's also, it's not about millennials. It's about kids in the late 80s, I think, more early 90s. So it's not even like a contemporary, like, telling of the, you know, millennial generation. It's like an older guy who's like, man, I really love David Bowie and Rocky Horror. What if teens still like that shit? And Clueless, <laughs> everybody knows at least one person that's like a character in that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very, yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm so excited I live so near the clown liquor store where she gets mugged. <laughs> I know, right? I got so excited. I Congratulations. <laughs> it's the best day. Uh, driving past it makes my day every time. Okay, the next two, Napoleon Dynamite or 500 Days of Summer? Again, I'm going to say I'm going to say that Napoleon Dynamite, if you ask an older person, that's exactly a millennial. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I, I think, you know, 500 Days of Summer is 
is the is a good version of what a millennial love story would be because it's so quirky and weird in its way. Mm-hmm. But Napoleon Dynamite is is again in my I close my eyes. That's the first thing I think. <laughs> Just so I think if he's dating Kristen Stewart, they're I'm, a perfect couple. Five hundred days of summer is not a love story. It's not a love story. It's it's it's, like, it's it is a story, not a love story. Mm. Uh, I think that's that. I think that's what makes five hundred days of summer so. Like ho- close to home, that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, like, listen, I, I, listen. I want to take Napoleon Dynamite, but the better film from that filmmaker is Gentleman Broncos by far. So if you have not seen that, you can see it. It's on Stars right now. Because uh, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Five hundred days of summer. I'm gonna go five hundred days of summer as well. Because L, I, I feel like Napoleon Dynamite almost influenced a lot of stuff, and everybody liked the dance and vote for Pedro, but that. Mm-hmm has not carried through the way the 500 days of summer summer stuff has um but i still love kip and lathonda emma so i'm gonna be a little bit of an asshole here uh i think it depends on how we're defining what the effect is because i remember from like elementary school through high school everybody still had the vote for pedro shirts and there's a lot of the like eat the food like references so like we had all of that through our most formative years uh, so, I mean, Peter brought up the point earlier, is it like what was part of our growing up and like mm-hmm. part of our like existence as being young people? Or is it what is a snapshot of that time? Because Napoleon Dynamite was like part of the growing up process, whereas uh, 500 Days of Summer is like looking back and yeah, saying- Yeah, but you, neg- you negated Lion King for the exact same reason. You all saw it when you were kids and mm-hmm. all that. You negated it for that same reason. Okay, so which one are we going with? <laughs> take, take a vote. Okay, who says Napoleon Dynamite? Thanks for thanks for jumping in. Thank God, thank God, Meg broke the tie because otherwise <laughs> it was going to get okay, absolute chaos. The next two are Superbad and Juno. Can I just say, just like, just kind of off topic? Superbad is one of the funniest movies ever. Okay, I fucking hate Superbad. I know you hate Superbad. So but people to this day still know about McLovin. Yeah, yeah but I fucking. <laughs> and so, if you're bad. talking about effect on on people, that's still. I can't um, even be objective. That's how much I hate. <laughs> so you're gonna go with Juno. I'm then. voting Juno. <laughs> I'm going with Juno too. I actually will I'm probably vote for Juno too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'm gonna go with. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm gonna go with Super Bad personally. Super bad. But notice, notice how that line fit. Yeah, that, that, that broke across. Yeah, definitely spoke more to males, and I think yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so which one? Which so one? We, we, we Juno. 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 Okay. Juno. So Juno. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the next two movies between Shrek and Twilight. Twilight. Impact. Oh, but Shrek oh. is love. Shrek is life. <laughs> I mean, I think in terms of memes, like they are at least equal. Yeah, uh, that's the. And thing. Shrek makes us look back fondly. Yeah. As opposed to Twilight, which is something we try to forget. I think it's. I, I still think I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Twilight doesn't have a ride. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. Yeah. I took that back. I think they do, actually. I, I, Here, think, I think they have one in China. Here's, here's my argument for this Twilight. I, I don't know a lot of people my age that like Twilight. Anybody who was born ever liked Shrek. So so there has to be a group of people that really like Twilight a lot to make it 
essentially an iconic film. So I'm going to say Twilight on this one, me personally, at least. Yeah, I'm going to say Twilight. Um, me too. So let me let me put out yeah. one more argument though that piggybacks off of Peter's but ends up with the other result, which is uh, I think that more millennials are more likely to show Trek to their kids than they are to show Twilight. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. most people on Earth are more likely to show Shrek. Will be that than movie Twilight. that is going to be like this. This is what I watch, and I want to share this with you. And mm -hmm. I think that that's an important part of that. Uh, so yeah. I'll agree with them on that. We have to remember too when they like, because I, I remember it like when come out those had, were selling out of those shelves. People were waiting in line. And then when they announced the casting, I mean, it was all over every entertainment thing. There were people. There's all these forums and groups, and it was just this huge firestorm of young people that were like fascinated by vampires all of a sudden. And so I think as far as impactful, I think Twilight. I, I agree. Okay, well, let's take a vote. Who says Shrek? Who says Twilight? Okay, so Twilight it is. Okay, the next two, Mean Girls or Pitch Perfect? Oh, mean girls. Mean, mean girls. girls. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. We're not yeah. even going to argue that one. No, I want to fight. I mean, it's the invention <laughs> of the burn Pick a fight. What's that meme from the, the game with the goose that's like, I choose to cause problems on purpose? <laughs> Stop being a troublemaker. I won't. I won't. <laughs> okay, Blair Witch Project or Bring It On? Blair Witch Project. That Bring it on. a Bring lot it of on. horror. Bring it on. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Maybe with maybe Blair Witch was too Gen X. I think I'm it's a little it. Gen X. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a little I, Gen X. I also think that it's like no, influential in terms of filmmaking. But yeah. like if you don't like horror, then you still you just didn't see it. It wasn't yeah. big enough that you had to see it anyway, like a get out was. Yeah. That's true. Joe, any thoughts? Well, I just thought Blair Witch was one of those great things because it was the first time where everyone got super disappointed because they all actually thought it was found footage. And then when they found out it wasn't, they were like, ah, oh, shit. Well, and, and it was, and it was, this was, you know, this was before like we get like hosed every day on the internet. So it was kind of were, a big deal. <laughs> people were like getting in this, getting sick in the movie theaters because of yeah. the shooting of the camera. I got a little motion sick towards the very end of the movie when they really are just like racing all through the woods. I was a little like, Oh, oh man, I hope they get I'll, killed I'll already. Say, I can't do this. You much see, longer. that's the whole thing. Like, we lived in Florida, and I was like, I know this is bullshit because that's the girl from the Steak and Shake commercial. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something though. Um, when when the way that Blair Witch kind of came out was they 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 teased it for a while on on the internet. It wasn't it wasn't the film. Mm -hmm. It was it was that they were they were trying to perpetuate this idea that that, that they had found this this right. footage. Um, of these teens that had just well, teens of these young adults that have got that, that disappeared in the woods in Maryland. And so, when the film actually came out, they stagger released it. And one of the first theaters in the country that had it was the Angelica in New York. And I remember, I think I saw it on the third or fourth day that it was playing. And I had to go at like two o'clock in the morning because they were selling out every performance for like for like the, the whole week that it was happening. And so I was in a packed theater at two o'clock in the morning. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a film where the reaction was as, as crazy as the one for this movie because, you know, maybe because it was the kind of film that it was and it hadn't been done that way before. 
but um, it was it was pretty intense. I mean, like people were just going crazy the whole entire film, yeah. even though there really wasn't a lot of reason to go crazy for a lot of it. And um, I, I will argue, though, for as far as seeing it in the theater with the internet push, a lot of millennials weren't old enough. My dad had to take me to it and sit through it, and he was like, fine. <laughs> he was not yeah. into it. I but mean, so I think that matters, I, I, I agree. Every I person in the theater the, with you yeah. was a Gen Xer. They weren't yeah. millennials. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, it's so a boomer. Uh, bring it on. Wait, what was it? It was Blair Witch Project or Bring It On. Oh, yeah, sorry. Bring it on. Okay, the next two, um, The Dark Knight or The Hangover? Uh, hangover. Uh, hangover. Hangover. One of my favorite. For, for Impact? Dark Knight. I mean, in terms of filmmaking or in terms of... Why do you say that, Elizabeth? Uh, well, because I think um, it was one of the many stepping stones for all the superhero stuff that everybody's like so into and so obsessed with. Um, again, Hangover is like an American pie to me. It doesn't really, it's not, people aren't really doing much of Hangover, you know, stuff. People are still, you know, into the Joker, into Batman. Well, um, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. And I every think Heath Ledger was our first every big celebrity death. has a Batman. Mm -hmm. so I don't think it's that, that impactful. And I can still drive today and find a baby on board sticker on a car with that kid with the sunglasses mm -hmm. and the hat and stuff yeah, like that. And, and, and that's also, why I'm gonna go and hang over. Now it's only because every generation yeah. has a Batman. And, and, yeah, yeah. and that's and going with Batman. what Joe says, you know, comic book heroes are gonna, are gonna just keep coming around every generation because of what they are. But the hangover, if, if you think about it, has spawned like another, another generation of, of comedy films, like, you know, like the Horrible Boss movies, stuff like Bridesmaids, that, that probably yeah. wouldn't have existed mm -hmm. if it wasn't for The Hangover. And 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 again, I, I think you're talking, the, the guys in that movie would have been on the higher end of the millennial clock at that point in time um, when the movie was made. So I think that they're also kind of an example of, you know, the whole story is based on somebody, uh, on, on one of the guys um, dosing all of them. And yeah. that's, and so, it, it yeah, it's that whole idea. I'm I'm swayed. That's those are all fair arguments. Okay, so we we agree with the hangover. hangover. Yeah. We're down to the final uh, four groups. Okay, okay so, so I got it up on the screen again now. So hold okay. on, it's coming up now. There it is. It's there. Okay, so the next uh, cruel intentions or clueless. 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 Yeah. Okay. Napoleon Dynamite or Juno. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. I don't think you have Juno Napoleon. That's what you just said, Elizabeth. That's very true. Yes. Okay. Uh, Juno, Juno only won because you all hate on... Uh... <laughs> we better, don't say anything bad about Juno, though. The guy who... who um, the, the director of photography lives next to us, so we got to be nice to him. He's our neighbor. <laughs> He's our neighbor. I mean, it's also a great film. I yeah, own yeah, the script. Yeah, that one because y'all hate Superbad. <laughs> Uh, that oh, yeah, Superbad didn't speak I to half Super millennials. I yeah. love Superbad, too. <laughs> okay. Twilight or Mean Girl? Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Okay. And bring, <laughs> bring It On or Hangover? Bring It On. Bring It On. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to bring, bring It On. on. Yeah. 
Okay. I expected to bring it on to go down before this, and I'm so excited about it. You know. <laughs> we're down to the final two. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no, boy. We're, no, we're not. We, we still got um uh, we, we still got the we're in the final four now. Well, final four, but then we're getting down to the final yeah. two. Yeah. Final <laughs> four. We're going down to the final yeah. two. So we have Clueless or Napoleon Dynamite. Clueless. Clueless. Yeah. Who's going to be Clueless, you mean girls? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mean girls are bringing on. Mean girls. Mean girls. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So it's essentially the same movie, but from different angles. They are different films, They are different films. (laughs) (laughs) Not all female-based films are the same. Come on. I'm just impressed that the... Uh, defining millennial defining films are female led. Isn't that um, interesting? I, I, I would like to say right now, yeah, I would like to say right now that I don't think that we can vote on these final two films until after the presidential election. <laughs> I don't think we should be fair at this time. Yeah, we gotta wait until somebody's instilled in the Supreme Court. We have to wait until Stacey Dash dies. Okay, guys, so it's between Clueless and Mean Girls. I'm going to go with Mean Girls. That's my vote. I'm going to go with Mean Girls only because Clueless is... I'm going to go with Clueless. Ever so slightly older. I'm going to go with um, Mean Girls because Clueless is more towards Gen X. Exactly. Um, So I'm going to go with Mean Girls. I'm going to go with Mean Girls as well. And and let me give you my reasoning behind it. Um, Number one... Lindsay Lohan is the worst example of a, of a millennial. Number two, um, uh, Tina Fey, who wrote it, is is supposed is the sex symbol of millennials. Um, so, so, so it's it kind of has it has all the credentials a millennial film has to have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do a final vote. Who says uh, Clueless? Who says Mean Girls? Mean Girls, it is. So I will. Know, I will die on my battlefield. Nobody's bleeding. <laughs> what a what a pleasant bracket that was. That was so we made it through. Party. Nobody fought seamlessly. We'll We're have that up on our, our, our um, Facebook page in a little while. Sorry. <laughs> so that is our show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you back here again tomorrow at six p.m. for a Trump-free Friday with our favorite game show. Dodge, the game of useless knowledge. So if you think you have what it takes to play Dodge and you'd like to be one of our contestants, feel free to send us a message and we'd love to have you on. Bye, everyone. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. (laughs) The phone banking.